the color. Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. I'm John Bucks, hosted by myself and Brian Chin, who's based out on the West Coast. How are you, Brian? Bucks, you're never by yourself. I'm always at your side for FPL talk. Let's talk about a game week five disaster for some folks and some other folks like yourself just flew. Yeah, this was a pretty interesting weekend of football. There was a lot of luck involved in what happened on the pitch and in the FPL standings. So we were fortunate to kick off with a bonus match on Friday, which you love to see. And the intensity really stepped up all the way through the weekend. So as Brian mentioned, we're going to start by diving into how our teams performed in game week five. Then we're going to recap the action on the pitch before we dive into what to look forward to and look out for in game week six, which is coming fast and furious this weekend before addressing some listener questions. Without further ado, Brian, you teased it. How'd the weekend turn out for you and your squad? So this was the first week that I actually took a hit in the entire season. And uh, lo and behold, it did not work out. Unfortunately, I made three transfers. I took out Ings, Bruno, and Simikas. And those lads totaled 12 points, whereas my transfers in of Ronaldo, Jota, and Marsal totaled only 10 points. And then when you factor the minus four into that, they totaled six. So very lackluster on my three moves. You hate to see that anytime you're shifting your team squad um, around. And, you know, Simikas, I was never going to be able to predict when he was going to play or when he was not going to play. So I'm not too worried about that. But uh, Ings also added an assist. So Salt in the wound, especially after Jota missed a sitter in uh, in the first time he's been in my lineup. That was tough to stomach. And uh, yeah, I actually uh, went in to San Francisco and met a couple of our uh, mates from our mini league and uh, had some early early Guinnesses and uh, a few. Uh, I had some chicken wings at 7:30 in the morning, so it was a good start to to a Saturday. And uh, down that with a coffee, so. All in all, I totaled 56 points, and I had a 100K red arrow. I'm sitting at 365K OR. Nothing more to uh, talk about my team at the moment. Solid captain came through, and all the rest um, was pretty average. Defense was really disappointing. I only totaled, I think, let's see, six or seven points in the back. So that was stinking up the joints, and uh, the only bright spot was Ben Rama coming through with a lucky deflected goal and max bonus for 10 points. That was my saving grace. Otherwise, I was going to be on an even larger uh, red arrow. But I played an awkward 4-5-1 this past week, so uh, I'll be excited to have Antonio back in the squad for this upcoming game week. Bucks, enough about me and my sob story. Let's talk about a true elite game week for you. How'd you do? Yeah, Brian, thanks for uh, sharing your sob story. I know this was a painful week, and Definitely not the results we want to see from uh, one of the hosts of uh, what's supposed to be an expert FPL podcast. I, on the other hand, had a glorious week. I had 71 points in the game week and a solid green hour. I'm all the way within the top 50K overall in the world. So uh, like you, I also captained Salah. He did the business. He's just been incredible. He's the top point scorer in the whole FPL game. And in game week five, he had 24 points for anyone who captained him. So could have been even better 
if he just decides to not celebrate by taking his jersey off, but we'll save that for a different podcast. But uh, for me, the real standouts for my team were differential darlings, Ivan Tony, who gets 12 points. He looked incredible. Rafinha, who was rumored to maybe be missing this game with a knock. He gets a really great goal and eight points. Ben White gets a clean sheet. So that's seven points. And then Ronaldo, who's, you know, obviously he's one of the goats. And Shane Duffy, who's really emerging as an incredible FPL asset at sub 4.5 million. He gets five points for me. So uh, a lot of contributors from strange places for my team, which uh, gave me a nice solid green arrow. And, uh, you know, I'm all the way up towards uh, the top of a lot of our mini leagues. So uh, happy to see that. But, you know, before we talk about how great both of our teams did or lack thereof, we should really highlight the manager of the game week uh, in FPL Blues Mini League. And that is one Amar Solanke and his team Turkish Kabak. And not only is he now in first place, but he's also continuing the trend of being the top point scorer in the game week. Brian, you want to sing Amar's praises? Yeah, he shoots up into the top 10K OR and has an incredible 402 FPL points to start the season. He had a Tony Rudiger late goal, notching 14 FPL points that definitely helped his squad in a big way. Congrats to him and Good luck to the rest of the managers in our FPL Blues podcast Super League. We look forward to you challenging the top man, Amar, and hopefully we'll see the rest of us at the top soon as well. Just worth shouting out, Amar did activate his wild card, and he is was on 79 points this game week. And we also want to make sure to give credit where it's due to a second manager, Maya Tonneson, and her team, Goalmeisters, who also managed to throw up 79 points, tying Amar for the top manager of the game week. And she's now solidly in the top four positions for the FPL Blues podcast Super League, uh, which is, again, the mini league associated with this podcast where you can get shouted out for exceptional performances like that of both Amar and Maya this game week. So hope you join us there. And with that, we're going to take a quick break before we look into what actually happened on the pitch for game week five. All right, let's kick things off by reviewing Newcastle one leads one. This was a bit of a cagey match and a very disappointing one, honestly, for Leeds to only get one point. They're now sitting in 17th place, but we did get points from Rafinha with eight points. He did come off with an injury though some hip problems bucks do you have any uh, pointers for him there stretch it out get a little loose what's what's the deal here with Rafinha's injury yeah it's a little concerning uh most of the FPL relevant Leeds players right now have flags next to their names so Bamford who also got an assist he scored five points he looked pretty good Rafinha who had eight as Brian mentioned and Ailing. Uh, in defense, who didn't get a clean sheet, but you know he's been a reliable player at the back for Leeds and uh, a popular FPL choice. All three of them right now have the dreaded uh, yield yellow flag sign next to their name in the FPL game. So uh, not an update Ugh. to share as of yet. Worth mentioning that Rafinha was flagged and there were rumors circulating that he was 
nursing a little bit of a knock coming into this Newcastle game. And as Brian mentioned, he scored a goal. He looked spectacular. I think he had like 10 chances that he either created or was involved in. He honestly could have had another goal, uh, if not an assist in this match. So uh, I'm going to be riding with Rafinha. Hopefully he'll play. And uh, we'll talk about kind of transfer strategy and where Rafinha and a player like Bamford might be fitting into that mix uh, later in the episode. But on the flip side, Newcastle also looked pretty strong. They had chances. Uh, They had a shot clatter off the post through Matt Ritchie. And they eventually score with the other relevant FPL players in this match, which was Alex St. Maximin. And uh, he had eight points. He's subsequently got a price rise. So he's looking like a good differential cheap forward option at 6.7 million now. So uh, one to monitor with the fixtures going forward, especially since Callum the Truth Wilson continues to be out injured. Anything else to add here, Brian? Yeah, just super impressed with St. Max, actually. He's returning in four out of the first five matches and just kind of trickling in the points. Uh, you know, no double-digit hauls, but he's always kind of involved in their attack. He passes the eye test, and he's somebody that puts pressure on a defense like Triore does at Wolves, but he actually can finish or make the last pass. So you love to see that, and I think he'll continue to be good value all season. So definitely a differential. He's only in 11.5% of teams right now. Uh, but back to Leeds just for a second. I'm very much concerned about them, but... They have a huge fixture swing right now where they have top-of-the-table type of fixtures. West Ham, Watford, Southampton, Wolves, Norwich, all in their next five. And I think that's going to help remedy their situation. With that being said, though, their defense looks terrible. And that's really holding them back. They have no really healthy center backs. And therefore, you're seeing somebody like Calvin Phillips come in and play at the back, and that's not his natural role, and that really disrupts their midfield. They don't have much depth. Ailing has moved into a center-back position. He's flagged, so I have some concerns. I would not want to be doubled up on this team quite yet, just based on their uh, current form and their injuries across the board. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning that Jack Harrison, who was a darling differential pick in midfield, uh, in the cheap budget range at $6 million. He has COVID right now, so you never like the idea of the virus to be within a team because you know it can spread so easily. So definitely Leeds are a team to watch at the moment. They are such a well-priced FPL option, but so many of the players that we have been earmarking as really high upside players, like Amelier and Goal, like uh, even this junior Furpo as a, as a wingback, they've really disappointed. So uh, I agree with Brian. I think Leeds is just a clear stay away or wait and see at the moment. I would not be rushing to, uh, to capitalize on this fixture swing for game week six, at least. Yeah, and if you don't have any of their assets, I mean, still bring in somebody like Rafinha into your team if he passes fit, because even if the team is bad, they're going to score goals All right, next match is Wolves 0, Brentford 2. The Bees just go buzzing this weekend, and they looked incredible away at Molyneux. So just before we dive into what actually happened on the pitch, it's worth mentioning this is a crazy stat. This was the first away win for Brentford in 74 years. 
They were basically coming wow. out of World War. They were coming out of World War II uh, the last time that Brentford secured a top flight three points in the Premier League. So Damn. pretty amazing. And uh, I know I had Ivan Tony. I was drinking drinking the Kool-Aid uh, when he put in that first goal. And he actually had the ball in the back of the net three different times in this match. So he just looked incredible. He played like the uh, FPL asset that everyone dreamed about when he was in over 30% of teams uh, at the start of the season. He looked absolutely the talisman. And his assist to Embuemo was like inch perfect. That was exactly what you want to see from Such a great striker. Pass. Yeah. So he just had a real complete game. He, he looked the part. And uh, between the PK and his confidence finishing it and then the confidence uh, taking the run and then laying it off to a teammate, just a, a dream performance for him. Yeah, and especially for you, Bucks, having him up top as a now differential since so many managers, managers have moved off of him. I woke up to, you know, this match was on at 4.30 Pacific. I woke up and I look at my phone and I see Tony has scored. And then I look, oh, who caused the PK? the transfer that I just brought in Marsal. So that was a, a terrible turn of events. You know, I brought him in. I'm hoping for a clean sheet, maybe some attacking returns. He ends up with a one point. The rest of the defense for Wolves, very lackluster. And I think other notes in this game was just the fact that even though Traore can dribble past a ton of players, his crossing is, is very poor. And he is somebody that he will eventually get some returns, but I don't see any consistent fpl attack from him and he is somebody that i would definitely stay away from at this point and the same goes for him and as uh, unfortunately yeah one last thing on this match uh, as we were seeing tony's praise he had 12 fpl points uh but we really should spotlight the brentford defensive unit they are looking convincing and they are putting strong performance together after strong performance they get another clean sheet and i think that at least their goalie raya Jansen, Pinnock, and Rico Henry, Rico Suave, are all options potentially for teams that are going to be looking at wildcard. They have a really tough fixture this coming week, but I just think that they're proving that they're a unit that can perform and play at this top level. So definitely something we weren't expecting considering they are such an attack-minded team. Yeah, and I think the, the real shout would be Raya in goal kind of making a few saves He's at 4.5, and he could be an option on wild card if you're not kind of happy with you know Sanchez in goal or possibly uh, Bachman from Watford if you have a cheap goalkeeper. So watch that space. They have some tough fixtures coming up here. They have Liverpool, West Ham, Chelsea, and Leicester all the way through game week nine. So after that, I would then potentially consider some of their assets um, who are kind of in that 4.5 pound range for their defense. All right, let's take a look at Burnley, zero, Arsenal, one. The Gunners get their second goal of their season and their second win. What do we think here, Bucks, as Odegaard puts in an excellent free kick that really would have been beautifully placed in any side? Yeah, amazing finish from Odegaard. I think that would have been a goal pretty much on every side in the Premier League. That was just yeah, for perfectly sure. taken, uh, real expert placement and classy finish. Uh, Brian, I have to give you credit. You shouted out that Burnley were looking like potentially one of the whipping boys of the league, and they've proven that to be true. And 
So, you know, Odegaard, he ends up with 11 FPL points, which is amazing. And the real shocking result, I thought, from this match was that Aaron Ramsdale, who's the new acquisition for Arsenal, they got him very late in the transfer window. He comes in and immediately supplants Bernd Leno, who had been the number one goalkeeper, who, if you might remember a little ways away, he actually supplanted Emmy Martinez, who had to then leave the squad. So, again, they're bringing in a transfer to Knockout, who had been their number one keeper. He gets the clean sheet. He actually looked great. He had ends up with nine FPL points. And uh, I have to say, I got the benefit of this result because Ben White does it again for me. He gets his second straight clean sheet, and he gets one bonus point, so seven FPL points. Uh, great value. And as we mentioned in a previous podcast, the fact that he's now $4.4 million in FPL because he had the price reduction, he's going to be a really great option as you build out your back line on wildcard because he's cheap. So he's going to enable you to spread that money elsewhere in more important positions. Yeah, I'm definitely jealous that you have him in that slot where I have ailing on an ailing lead side. You know, I think that's kind of been ah, a big, nice. that's been a big differential for you the last few weeks, holding on to him through his COVID spell and he's delivered. And I think overall, you know, they're having a much more solid defensive impact on the game. Um, Takahiro Tomiyasu, he's started back-to-back games at the left-back position, or sorry, excuse me, right-back position. Um, yeah, right-back. He looked good. Yeah, he looks pretty solid. He's also 4.5 million. So I think there are some players on wildcard you might consider to have cheap enablers on your team. They still have a good run. And I think also, um, you know, the fact that Gabriel is now kind of in that squad for each and every game for Arteta. He's kind of an up-and-coming center back, uh, very brooding type of player. So I think he's also giving them a little bit more stability. So uh, good things to come, I think, for Arsenal on this upcoming run. And again, they had a really tough opening couple of fixtures. So uh, we'll see how they go moving forward. Next up is where we start getting into actually seeing some goals, which was Liverpool 3, Crystal Palace 0. Liverpool continue a fiery hot start, but uh, unfortunately for FPL managers like Brian and I, TAA was a late scratch due to illness, so wishing him a speedy recovery. We need his FPL points. He's a tremendous value, and when he plays, he tends to do great. So um, Yeah, and it's, it's important to note, Bucks, it's not COVID-related, so he does not have COVID, so that's obviously a huge impact um, potentially in FPL. So it's hopefully just the sniffles. He'll get over it, have a cuppa, you know, maybe watch some Ted Lasso, and uh, he'll be back out there on the pitch very soon. Yeah, very true. Uh, Interestingly, across the pitch, uh, Klopp actually decided to rest Andy Robertson for the Greek freak, bringing back Simikas into the starting lineup. And he looked great. He gets a clean sheet, obviously. And, you know, it just proves the point of how valuable Virgil van Dijk is to this team, but also just as a standalone player, he pretty much solves a ton of problems that exist in that defense. And, you know, when TAA or Rabo are bombing forward, you know, Van Dyke is going to be back there to hold the line, keep them organized and make sure that they are getting the results that they need to get. And this early run of fixture. So he looks fantastic. And what can you say? Mo Salah, Mo FPL points. He's a machine. <laughs> and uh, he scored a classy goal, gets an assist. He was just incredible. Um, we don't need to sing his praises any more than we already have. He's definitely the best FPL player in my mind. And 
he's a season long keeper for me at this point. He just looks incredible. Yeah. I can't say enough about Mohamed Salah. I was actually at a Liverpool supporters bar with my mate, uh, Josh Moffat in San Francisco, bright and early. And there were a few people in there banging on an actual drum, getting all these Mo Salah chants going. Uh, it was driving me a little bit insane um, since I'm obviously a Chelsea supporter, but I was uh, very happy to see my captain return 24 huge points. And I think Salah really just needs to keep his shirt on. Obviously, we we know he's ripped. He's got the you know eight to ten pack going, but I would have liked those uh, two additional points this game week. Yeah, one last thing to mention, a pretty quirky, cool stat is Sadio Mane scores a goal in this one. He now has returns in nine straight matches against Crystal Palace, which is a freaky and very ironic and interesting stat because, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who the players are. It doesn't really matter who the coach is. He seems to always be uh, having joy uh, against Crystal Palace. But, uh, you know, just worth mentioning that Connor Gallagher and Crystal Palace, they did look plucky. I think they had some chances. But obviously, Liverpool are just uh, head and shoulders above uh, most of the rest of the Premier League at this point in time. Yeah, and I think for me personally, Bucks having brought in Jota for a hit and taking Simikas out this game week, it drove me freaking insane that he decided to kick a 60-yard field goal type of ball when he had a sitter that he could have put in the back of the net. I, I, I was beyond myself. I was losing at the bar. I'd already had my Guinness, and I, I honestly, I could not believe that he missed that. He's now blanked in three straight matches. I, I think moving forward, especially when Firmino comes back, I'm a little bit worried about his position in the team and just his consistency. So I might actually be thinking of excluding him on my future wild card. Uh, just not, not impressed um, with the way that he's been performing at his price tag. Yeah, he he's been missing the mark. I think uh, it's fair to say, and it's interesting that he can. He continues to be the player that comes off first for Liverpool. Um, obviously, the more minutes, the more opportunities that a player gets. And the fact that he's often looking better than Sadio Mane, but coming off first is incredibly <laughs> frustrating. Um, I, 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 just don't, manager. I, I just don't understand, Bucks, how his XA and XG can be so high. And yet it's like game after game after game these last three that he somehow has gotten no returns. It's 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 very bizarre, and you would think that it would correct itself in time, but as an owner, it, it's super frustrating. And uh, I mean, I, I'll stick with him for a few more game weeks, but I, I'm very it's very puzzling to me. The stats would suggest the return is coming. On to the next one, which uh, was a game where again we were expecting returns to be coming, but they they just never came. They just never came to quit a great movie, uh, Euro Trip. Uh, <laughs> Manchester City, Southampton, leveled at Donuts. So 0-0. This was a shocker. And, uh, you know, more disappointing, I think, with what happened in the lineup card. Ferran Torres doesn't play. And really, honestly, neither did the rest of the City attack. But uh, it's just very, very, very bizarre match. City looked like they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. <laughs> and they were they were kind of lucky because it was looking for a time like Kyle Walker had made a naughty tackle, earning him a red card. But then it turned out it was overturned by VAR. So that doesn't become a PK. They don't go down to 10 men. But uh, again, the disappointing match. But I think a lot of managers had Livramento stashed on the bench 
And with TAA missing out, Ferran Torres missing out. Huge. Subs in and sub 4.5 million, he gets the clean sheet. And he's just a player that absolutely should be one of the first names in a wildcard team uh, pretty much across the board. He's a lock to start. Hassan Hoodle, the Southampton coach, has said he's guaranteed to start if he's healthy. So uh, what more can you ask from a player that's, uh, that's so cheap? He's a great enabler, and he's very attacking. Yeah, the points came in all around for the defensive side of the ball. Both Diash and Cancelo make their fifth consecutive start in the Premier League. I'm really very intrigued by Cancelo moving forward, especially with Mendy uh, being off in some prison where he should be. And uh, he's really has no competitions. And Chenko hasn't come into the side at all. And so he looks much more nailed than last year. So he's somebody that I'll be considering on my wild card. And Diaz, you know, he's he's a player that is first in the team sheet for Pep. He has his ultimate trust and is a very impressive option. I mean, both these guys are six million and they're going to vastly outperform the midfield because the goals are spread so uh, you know thin between all those different players that are obviously of great quality, but you can't quantify their minutes game week in and game week out. So uh, I'll be focusing on their defense come wildcard time. Sheesh, that Mendy comment. I'm still uh, working my head around that, but uh, <laughs> I completely agree with you. Uh, Diaz is Mr. Reliable and Cancelo. Listen, I don't love his game. And I think there's, uh, you know, he's a little expensive because it's all, you know, his his returns are all in the X universe. They're not in real life. But, uh, you know, City defense are just looking the part. They're keeping a lot of clean sheets. And, uh, yeah, you can't argue against the FPL points. So uh, on to the next one. Yeah, and lastly, just wanted to add, this is a good example of how lineups midweek in Champions League can start to affect minutes for FPL players in the Premier League. So make sure to keep an eye on those team news conferences and those potential team sheets before the Saturday fixtures because you saw somebody like Ferran Torres who a lot of people are banking on versus Southampton he doesn't get a single minute because he played in Champions League and when you look at Liverpool for example they played in a a 3-2 battle that they won in the first game of UCL but then both Rabo and Trent don't play at all so just something to keep an eye on especially those who are new to the FPL game. And with FA Cup, uh, a.k.a. Carabao Cup uh, matches happening this week in the midweek. I mean, I don't really care about it, but keep an eye out for it, I, I guess, Bucks. Bye, Next one, Norwich 1, Watford 3. And uh, I'm just going to rant and rave for a little bit. My my second favorite team in the Premier League, Watford. <laughs> your, your darling. Yeah, I, I love some of these uh, FPL players on the squad. Ismail Saar, he looks incredible. Um, he's definitely proving to be another talisman type player. He scored two goals on five shots and he was joint top scorer in the game with 15 FPL points. Um, his line mate, Josh King, he gets two assists, his first two returns of the season for 10 FPL points. And then my boy, Emmanuel Dennis, I just want to give him a big hug through this (laughs) podcast, Mike. He gets the opening goal. And he ends up on six FPL points. He honestly, he could have gone bigger. Um, And he's just getting start after start for sub 5.5 million. So again, I think that Saar and Dennis are both great budget options. As we consider some of the more expensive premium assets like Ronaldo, like Lukaku, 
like Salah and you want to build a well-oiled team around them, those are both players that I think make a lot of sense in the team sheet. I think Saar is a standout option because he is a goal-scoring midfielder. He's going to be the one taking the shots. So when you compare him to other players in that bracket, maybe a Benrama or Rafinha or some of these other guys who are more the creator types, um, I'm very impressed that his attacking threat is so high. And he, I mean, he doesn't even look to pass that often. He is mainly the guy at the end of the buildup. So he's somebody that you want selfishly in your FPL squad for those goals. Yeah, he uh, he takes the final shot, but more importantly, he's also on penalty kicks. So for sub 7 million to get a player that's, you know, if and when they get penalties, he's going to be the one taking it. He's definitely a great option. And uh, Watford have two more positive matchups. They play Newcastle in game week six followed by Wolves. So I think, uh, especially if you're considering a wild card in the coming few game weeks, SAR is definitely an interesting differential option. All right, moving forward. Aston Villa, three. Everton, nil. This is a bit of a surprising lineup card because Everton were missing a ton of players. Once again, no DCL. Richarlison misses out in this match. Also, the man between the sticks, he misses out. Jordan Pickford, nowhere to be seen. They were in rough form going into the, going into this match with the players who don't have a lot of rapport with each other. And Villa kind of just came out of nowhere and scored three big goals. I was uh, hurt to see my guy Ings, who I transferred out, get an assist. But uh, there was also a Matty Cash goal. He gets his first goal for Villa and ends up with 15 big points with a clean sheet and three bonus points. And um, elsewhere, Leon Bailey. He also looked very, very good past the eye test. He had a goal and an FPL assist, but then uh, I think he was kind of carted off, not carted off, but he left the field with an injury later in that match. So uh, Villa is kind of all over the place at the moment with all their different players, but they seem to have kind of solidified their defense a little bit more. Yeah, worth mentioning that uh, Dean scored an own goal for Everton. He's now also marked as flagged by the FPL game. Apparently he has a little bit of a leg problem um, that he's dealing with right now and could miss the weekend's match. So I just don't know who's healthy on this Everton team. Uh, James Rodriguez is off in Qatar negotiating (laughs) a transfer to a different league. Uh, Got a feel for Rafa Benitez a little bit here. And, uh, you know, Villa gave them a good old Asta Villa ass kicking. So uh, they really (laughs) put them to the sword. Uh, Ings look great this match. I have to say that since coming back, Ollie Watkins has been a real game changer for Villa. He's getting a lot of shots on goal. He's getting a lot of opportunities. He might be an interesting differential option in the next couple of game weeks, despite Villa going through this kind of rough patch of fixtures. But uh, more to discuss on Everton, uh, I think, in the coming game weeks. But it's looking like they're they're becoming the team that we expected them to be uh, going into the preseason. Yeah, they don't have a ton of depth. Um, those who brought in Damari Gray, he blanks, unfortunately. Um, and I just want to note that uh, Digne did play in FA Cup today, which is Tuesday, September 21st, and he actually scored a goal. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, he gets some points in FA Cup land. But uh, Everton, it's fine to have one of their attacking assets. I think DeCorey is still passing the eye test um, yeah, as a potential enabler. But right now, they're, they got to get healthy, and until then, I won't be bringing any of their players on. Agreed. Next up, Brighton 2, Leicester 1. 
this was actually maybe the game of the weekend. Uh, Brighton holding on for dear life and a huge three points and the W at home at the Amex. The Seagulls are shockingly up to fourth place in the table, and they have four wins from five matches. Uh, their striker, Neil Mape continues to trickle in points. He ends up with a PK goal, really soft PK, I must add, and seven <laughs> FPL points. And my boy, Shane Duffy, the Irish dream, he is on fire. He is absolutely locked in this team. He gets the FPL assist because his header ends up hitting Jan Vestergaard's hand for a handball. Anyway, we don't need to get into what an FPL assist actually is, but he ends up with five FPL points, which is great for a sub 4.5 million defender. And yeah, really the last, I would say 30 minutes of this match were nail biting experience for Brighton fans. And for anyone watching this match, Leicester just came on with a fury. They were pressing for a result and Vardy ends up getting a goal to uh, make it 2-1. And he ends up with eight FPL points. So respectable from him. And then the Foxes, they actually had the ball in the back of the net two more times. So they technically could have won this game. But, uh, you know, we've, we've vilified him before. Harvey Barnes obscures Robert Sanchez's view twice, called offsides, rules both those goals off. Oof. And, uh, yeah, Brighton steal the points at home. Great result. Yeah, I think Brighton are just a team, very interestingly, that keep on ticking on no matter the lineup, no matter who's playing well. They are just very solid and they don't beat themselves. So that that counts for something both in real life and in the FPL game. Yeah, Graham Potter has, you know, enabled a system there that the players have bought into. And I'm very surprised that they've won four out of these first five matches, especially given that they've only kept two out of five clean sheets. So um, you know, very grinded out type of Brighton team that we're seeing actually kind of score timely goals, which has not been their MO over the last three or four seasons in the Absolutely. Premier League. So hats off to them. I think, um, you know, Vardy continues to tick along. He he still looks great, but I would love to see Nacho next to him. I don't know when Brendan Rodgers is going to switch this this lackluster formation up because they're getting nothing from Madison and, and from Barnes. And I, I just don't understand how at the end of last season, we saw such a great strike force being developed that they have, haven't even run it out one time in the first five matches. So honestly, Leicester would be one of the most disappointing teams, if not the most disappointing team thus far to start the Premier League season. Yeah, I agree with that. Barnes and Madison have looked horrible, and I agree with you. I think that Iheanacho is obviously itching for minutes. And, you know, Lookman, who actually just came into the side, he really transformed the feel of the match when he came on for James Madison. He was at Fulton last, excuse me, he was at Fulham last year, and he just looked exceptional. I expect that he'll start this game week. That's how well he played. All right, let's talk about the most dramatic match of the game week, which was Manchester United 2, West Ham 1. This was a, just a truly crazy match, Bucks. I thought that Manchester United was going to run all over West Ham without Antonio on the pitch for the Hammers, but we saw a very tight and controversial ending, Bucks. Take it away here. Yeah, so in the first 80 minutes, Ben Rama scores a goal. He ends up on 10 points. He gets max bonus, and Ronaldo levels it. So he gets another goal. So those... 1-1 heading into the 90th minute and you know Messi Lingard who was on loan at West Ham last season 
He's now back at Man United. He comes on late. And, you know, credit to West Ham. The fans really treated him right. They welcomed him back to the pitch. And how does he repay the favor? He comes on and he scores the go-ahead goal. Uh, oh, to, man. To put United in front. And, you know, United is basically celebrating. They think they've stolen the points. They're they're already on the team bus high-fiving. And it's the 95th minute. And what happens? Luke Shaw concedes a boneheaded handball, gifting a penalty kick to the Hammers in the 95th minute. And, you know, David Moyes, he brings on veteran midfielder Mark Noble, who's a legend at the Hammers club. And he hasn't touched the ball. He hasn't been on for a single minute. And he comes on to take the PK as his first touch, only to have it saved by the hero of the match, David De Gea, who gets his first penalty kick save since 2016. So just oh my a, goodness, a wild, what, a, what a stat that is! Wow, a wild roller coaster ride of a finish. Man United squeak out three points, and this is the second time that they've gotten a result when they have not really looked the part, and they're tied for the lead of the Premier League. So, um, you know, on one hand, you could say that that's a credit to good teams that you know they get results even when they don't play well. On the other hand, Devils. Uh, advocate would say like they're going to be dropping these points uh, if they don't shape up and Ole doesn't fix his rotation and his substituting and just making sure the team is is more focused but uh, just worth mentioning Cristiano Ronaldo absolute legend he's now the second most owned FPL player in the game he's now in over three million FPL squads which is mind-blowing and he's only played two matches but he already has the second highest expected goals at 3.24 behind only Sadio Mane. So most other players have played five games. He's played two, and he's already uh, pretty much already the top goal scorer uh, from the stats perspective. Yeah, I was a little disappointed to see Ronaldo kind of whining a bit for potential penalty shouts towards the end of the game when it was still tied up one-to-one. That was a little bit annoying to watch, but um, overall, I am concerned about a few of the assets on Manchester United. First and foremost, Luke Shaw, who's in both of our squads, they just have a leaky defense. Um, you know, they can always outscore their opponent, but they will gift a goal here and there. So he's definitely not a player that I'll be carrying too much longer. He's an easy transfer to somebody like Rudiger or Reese James or somebody kind of in that bracket. Um, I'm also really starting to cool off a little bit on Mason Greenwood, just because the other two players that could play in his role, such as Sancho, or even Lingard, who has continued to make some impressive performances in limited minutes. Um, Mason Greenwood in this match, only one chance created and zero shots. And then he came off early in the 72nd minute. So somebody to kind of really monitor in the next couple of games, especially if you still have your wild card as a player that might be on the outside looking in in a couple of weeks. I agree with that uh, for both players. Last fixture of the weekend was one we were stoked on, which was Spurs 0, Chelsea 3. There was zero waste in this game. Uh, It was a big hype of uh, branding, but uh, unfortunately Spurs were hot garbage. So uh, Chelsea capitalized in the second half and get the three points and just looked exceptional. The Chelsea defense mopped up this match. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's really quite fair to call Tottenham garbage because they don't really have good players on their team. So uh, Sun makes an appearance back on the pitch. Kane had, I believe, one shot and like a couple completed dribbles. 
the Chelsea team just shut them down completely, and they did what they were supposed to do, honestly. Um, this is just a much more talented team uh, than Tottenham. So they, they took care of business. Very impressive to see goals from Thiago Silva. He gets a headed goal, which was great. He was being a boss the entire game. Um, then also uh, Conte with a little deflected goal. He gets one. And then Rudiger, who is owned by a few people in FPL, he gets an a extra time goal and ends up on 14 fantasy points. I mean, he's somebody that I just wish I would have started the season with, Bucks, instead of uh, Luke Shaw. We'd be much better positions if we did that and just trusted our team. But it is what it is, and he'll be coming into my side in a couple of short weeks here on Wildcard. Yeah, just to reiterate what Brian said, Thiago Silva, I think he had the perfect game. He was exceptional. He ends up with 15 FPL points, huge haul for any player, but uh, especially for a defender. Tony Rudiger, he ends up with 14 FPL points. And I think a player that's flying under the radar uh, who also gets an attacking return this match was Marcus Alonso. He gets his fifth straight start. He gets an assist, the clean sheet, and bonus for 10 total points. And he was also given the captain's armband earlier this season. There is deep competition for his spot in the team, and yet he hasn't ceded a single minute of Premier League play to Ben Chilwell, um, at least a single meaningful minute. So uh, Mm -hmm. I think Marcus Alonso is definitely a player to watch as we enter the kind of Chelsea fixture swing in game week seven, game week eight, and someone definitely to monitor. He looks the part for sure at this point. Yeah, I don't think he can fly under the radar anymore, Bucks, because he is the fourth highest scoring player in all of FPL right now. And he's also seen three price rises. So He's still affordable at 5.8, but I'm I'm just very surprised, honestly, to see him kind of be in his 30s and play this many minutes for Tuchel's side when there is depth. I just wonder if there's something that the tabloids haven't reported about Chilwell, maybe something personal going on. It's just interesting to see him not play any minutes yet um, in this Premier League side. So we'll see what happens there. But overall, I think the takeaway here is, you want to have Chelsea defense. You might want to be doubled up on them very soon, and you can trust those guys. Even if they get rotated now and then, you can have a cheap guy like Livermento come off your bench, and you're, you're going to be set. So these players are going to feast on FPL points, whereas Lukaku, that, that's a discussion for another day, but I'm still a little bit uh, you know, wary of how many sh- the shots he's kind of taken thus far on the Chelsea side. He seems... You know, very happy to pass as well, which is good for the team, but bad for FPL. And that's something that Ronaldo does not do. He he loves to take all those shots. So, you know, just something to continue to think about when you're looking at maybe having one of those two guys up top in your FPL side. Great shouts, Brian. Good point and a great wrap up. With that, we are going to take a quick break before we come back to address community questions. And we had some good ones. So uh, stay tuned. Welcome back to the FPL Blues podcast. We're now going to address some of the burning community questions and starting with Nick Hazi, who asks, what would Roy Keane's FPL price be? The Richmond AFC's legendary midfielder would be five million, five and a half million. What do you think here, Bucks? I think he'd get five million because of uh, kind of a legendary bump. Uh, He really plays very similar to like uh, Mateo Kovacic, 5.5 million, Jordan Henderson, 5 million, or even like uh, Calvin Phillips or 
Yves Basuma, uh, who are both sub 5 million. So he's more of a defensive <laughs> midfield uh, kind of rock in the back uh, or in the center of the park. But uh, his his F-bombs and, and his mouth, that would be a 12.5 million for sure. Yeah, a lot of value there. He takes home the Emmy for Ted Lasso. And uh, man, just watching some of the social media clips of all those folks backstage doing the, the Roy chant warmed my heart. Yeah, great show and a great character. Nick also asks a true FPL question, which is about whether Cristiano Ronaldo is essential at this point and whether KDB is even worth consideration at this point in time. He's finally fit and he did just play in the Carabao Cup today and he's gotten some substitute appearances off the bench for City. So, uh, Brian, why don't you take the combo Ronaldo-KDB question? Yeah, I mean, there are a ton of heavy hitters out there this season. Ronaldo is essential at this point in time because he is the central guy for Manchester United. They look to feed him. He's selfish. He takes all the shots. He's on pens. Well, we think he's on pens. And uh, he's just a player that I would want to have in your side right now. KDB will be a very interesting differential when um, push comes to shove later in the season. He just scored in the Carabao Cup and is rounding into form. He's one of the top players in the world when he's on top of it and can easily you know, score from any place on the pitch. And he's on a lot of different avenues to FPL points. So he could be a, a potential. I mean, honestly, I think somebody like KDB actually a lot of times will have a higher ceiling than Ronaldo. I just see Ronaldo on like one goal a game, especially for these upcoming fixtures when they're playing some tougher, tougher squads. So, I mean, I... Obviously, there's there's only been a couple games of data to look at, but I'm kind of worried about um, you know him being kind of a, a, a one goal a game guy and maybe not on bonus uh, based on the the rest of the players who can score goals and get points in FPL on Manchester United. What do you think, Gearbox? Yeah, I'm I'm backing Cristiano Ronaldo over KDB ten times out of ten at this point in time. City play against Chelsea and then Liverpool in the next two matches. So definitely don't want to be uh, big in the midfield for uh, City at that point. And as we discussed earlier in the episode, I think Brian and I both have a little more trust in the City defense than we do in predicting one who's going to start and then who's going to put in the points for City and Pep. Um, If you were asking me gun to my head, which city player I would want to have in either forward or midfield. Farron Torres is my guy. He's 7.1, 7.2 million range. So he's much cheaper than KDB and he's actually playing further forward. So I think it's more likely that he's going to get the goals, whereas KDB will get the assists. So KDB is a cross off for me at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, I think we've also seen if Mares is on the pitch, he's been taking pens over KDB in some of these other uh, Champions League or Carabao Cup situations. So that's also something that KDB doesn't have in his um, in his hat, a feather in his hat. So uh, I, I just think that Pep, though, from some of these inconsistent performances, is going to have to start playing KDB 90 minutes. Like he didn't start versus Southampton, and they needed him desperately to uh, help be the leader on the pitch that Grealish is going to grow into, but isn't at that point in his career yet. And that's somebody that I think is going to help get the rest of the Manchester City side organized and become a well-oiled machine as the season goes on. 
Yeah, great point. I kind of disagree with KDB being the penalty kick taker. I think when he's healthy, he will take that back and have that in his locker. But again, he's proven that he's a little bit injury prone. So um, Mm -hmm. something to monitor for sure. Next question is from Lucas Zena. And he's interested in diving a little deeper into Brighton. And specifically, he asks, is this performance sustainable or is it just merely a run of good form and slightly easier fixtures? Brian, why don't you take first shot? I hope their form continues. I mean, I got two defenders. I got Sanchez in goal and I have uh, Veltman at 4.4 million in my back line. I mean, I'm happy to rotate these guys um, and, and play them against their easier fixtures. I think that they don't have enough attacking output to continually, you know, come up with these late minute, you know, second half goals, but they're just a, a solid team at the, at the moment. And they're a team that, you know, we always have some of these solid teams each and every season, you know, Wolves used to be one of those types of teams where they were very well structured under Nuno and they would put in very uh, grueling performances and then point, Jimenez would point. get a goal. And I think this season, you know, there's no reason why this uh, this Brighton team isn't you know that that team um, in that kind of mold. So I, I'm happy that they're doing well. I think that you know Trossard at 6.4 million pounds, he's he's interesting, but not somebody that I would rate higher than uh, the likes of Saar. But you know he's coming off of uh, a goal and then he had an assist in the last match. And then Mopai is just I've had him in my squad in seasons past. He's just a little bit infuriating. Every now and then he just goes and gets an unnecessary yellow and um, is, is a player that he's also been disciplined in the past by Graham Potter. So I, I wouldn't have him in my squad, but he does have three goals on the season and he's you know relatively cheap at six and a half million pounds. So it's just a team to, if you need a, if you're, if you're very fond of them, they're very friendly in price. So you can always bring them in. Yeah, they have great fixtures coming up. They play Crystal Palace, Arsenal, and Norwich in the next three. And Brian actually mentioned a player who's in my short watch list for this game week, which is Neil Mape. He's really good price at $6.5 million, and he is clearly their kind of centerpiece of the attack. Uh, but just worth mentioning that I think we expect that Brighton is going to probably be a top-of-the-table team. They'll be in the top half. But I think this is more just a reflection of the bad luck that they had last season kind of uh, returning to the mean. And now they're getting results, whereas last season they were more getting draws or taking, you know, late game losses. This season, the results are tending to go in their favor. So uh, I think we need more information, but I wouldn't be expecting that Brighton are going to be competing for European football come game week 38. Yeah, just get one of their defenders and be happy with that. You know, their attackers don't have real double digit potential from an FPL perspective. Whereas if you go with like a SAR or a Tony at those six to six and a half million pound price tag ranges, you know, or a Ben Rama, um, Rafinha, those are guys that have double digit haul potential and is somebody that, you know, those are players that I would focus on in those kind of punty brackets. Next up is a question from our mini league leader, Amar Solanke. He asks about the super premium position. This is going to be a question that comes up week in and week out. So appreciate Amar for posing it this game week. Is CR7, is Cristiano Ronaldo a long-term keeper? Or should we still be eyeing the switch to Lukaku in the next few game weeks with the Chelsea fixture swing? 
This is one of the most popular questions in the FPL community week in and week out. I mean, most of us are kind of on Ronaldo at the moment, and it's going to be really hard to swap him if he continues to trickle in, you know, goals and points along the way. You know, Chelsea's fixture turn is just so incredible that I, I'm going to be tripled up on them, but I don't know if it's going to be all three in defense or if I'm going to go for Lukaku. So it's 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 a tough it's a tough call at the moment, but you would have to favor Ronaldo just because he's shooting all the time, and that's something that you love in FPL. Whereas obviously Lukaku's so strong and he's a backboard and he can you know bring that ball down to his feet and pass it out wide and and continue the buildup. But sometimes he's not on the end of the buildup, and I haven't seen him take enough shots to warrant him over Ronaldo just yet. Do you agree there, Bucks? Yeah, I agree. I'm a little concerned with the lack of shots on goal for Lukaku and the lack of opportunities. But uh, the real answer is I'm going to be following whatever Amar decides to do since he's currently leading the pack. And uh, I just (laughs) want to be riding on his coattails uh, towards uh, the finish line. So last question is from Trevor Kukler, who asks if Man United will ever keep a clean sheet again. And I think, you know, Brian and I, want to just kind of expand on this question and get a little more specific, which is really to discuss Luke Shaw and if we should be keeping him in our FPL teams for game week six and beyond, or kind of what's the play with him? Because he's 5.5 million and he's in over 40% of FPL rosters. So he only has 18 points. He's the 30th best defender at this point in time, which is dreadful. Yeah, it's unfortunate that he is coming off of such a productive Euros run, which led us all to believe that he was potentially in the form of his life and that would continue at United this season. We haven't seen it yet. He's, you know, he's, he's trickled in a few performances here, four, six, five, but again, Manchester United just, they give up a goal and then that kind of gets them, them that gets the hamster kind of spinning in the wheel and then they go all out and they score three goals, right? That That's been the, the game storyline for them for the last calendar year, really. Um, So I I kind of expect that to continue. Like from a defensive perspective, Luke Shaw, he's okay. Like Juan Basaka, he's better at defense than he is crossing balls into Ronaldo. So I'm just not that, that keen on either of those guys. And when you can just swap them directly to a Chelsea stud, who's going to have anywhere from 16 to 20 clean sheets this season, it's a no brainer. Yeah, I think my concern is more that I actually trust Luke Shaw more than I trust Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So I just think that Ole is not a disciplinarian. He's not a highly tactical manager, at least from what we've seen on from performances. So I just think that they have lapses in focus and they let in this odd goal pretty much every game and get themselves into a situation where they're backed into the corner and they need to produce. And so I think that Luke Shaw is looking the part going forward. The issue, and he's getting tons of crosses, and he's only going to get more with Ronaldo now kind of centered in the middle of the box uh, close to the opposition's goal. So I love his attacking potential. The problem is, as Trevor brought up, is he going to get those clean sheets to raise his baseline points to those 9, 10-plus FPL point thresholds, which is where you want him to be on a regular basis. And right now the answer is no. So I think because of that, he's definitely in my thoughts as a move out of my squad, 
maybe not this game week, but definitely in the next few game weeks. Yeah, Manchester United have a tough run game weeks 7 through 13. They have a bunch of red fixtures in there. And then fixtures 15 to 27 are like a sea of green fixtures. So I think it's a guy that you you jump off of for the next um, you know six to eight game weeks and see how they solidify themselves at the back and um, you go elsewhere. But you could definitely bring him back later on. At 5.5 million, there's a couple guys in that bracket that you'll have in your squad. So you can always bring him back in later if they prove to become uh, a stinger defense. And overall, the problem with United is they don't have a Declan Rice. They don't have one of these hardworking, you know, top blue chip type of players in the midfield to help protect their attackers. And I think that's, you know, no offense to Fred or McTominay. Like, they're, you know, McTominay is probably their best option. But, you know, when they're putting Matic out there in that role, it, it, he's so slow. There's a couple of guys that, you know, they just don't have that, that defensive midfielder that they need in the squad to take them to the next level. Um, that would be my kind of um, my nitpicking uh, comment there. Yeah, fair point. My grandma, who just turned 84, is probably faster than Matic at this point in time. So uh, definitely <laughs> even with don't... the even with the walker, uh, she doesn't have a walker. She's still in good form in that way. But uh, yeah, just uh, it's a tough situation because as we've noted, Manchester United are so attack minded that they often leave their back line bear. So uh, great FPL questions. Thank you to our community for being involved again this uh, episode. And we just want to quickly highlight the matches to target for this coming game week six. And there's really four standouts. Aston Villa at Old Trafford at Man United, West Ham at Leeds, Liverpool at Brentford and Norwich at Everton. Uh, But we should just mention that, you know, no one's fit for Everton, so this might just be a, an actual cross-off match. Anything else you want to add in here, Brian? I'm very intrigued to see if Mo Salah can continue his prize-winning football. And uh, West Ham versus Leeds, that could be a really interesting game. If Ailing is not healthy and Rafinha is not healthy, I'm really intrigued by um, the return of your guy, Miguel Antonio. Antonio. All right, with that, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and discuss our transfer and captain plans for this game week. All right, let's talk transfers and captaincy. Bucks, you're sitting just oh so pretty with two free transfers and coming off of a big week. you got to be feeling pretty spry. What are you thinking? Where are the weak links in your squad at the moment? Yeah, so I got a lot to think about this game week. And with Rafinha flagged right now, unfortunately, he is uh, a player and a spot that I am currently monitoring very closely. I do not want to transfer him out, but potentially Rafinha becoming SAR is a player and a transfer that I'm definitely eyeing at the moment. Um, What I'm also looking at is Ivan Tony. I really thank him, congratulate him for the work that he (laughs) did in my side. And those 12 points this past game week were huge. Unfortunately, he's just looking at a sea of red fixtures coming up with this one starting with Liverpool, which is a really tough match. So I think he's going to have to make way. And really, I'm deciding between a couple players. And Brian knows one of those players. That is Emmanuel Dennis. Uh, That is a real easy way for me to uh, add some money in the bank and kind of set myself up to maybe 
postpone a wild card move uh, in the next couple of game weeks by adding some money into my coffers. Uh, so he's one option. Neil Mappe <laughs> is a player that I mentioned earlier. He's also a player that I'm eyeing. They have some good fixtures, and I, I like the idea of him being able to score and leading the line for Brighton. The only thing is he is slightly more expensive than Ivan Tony right now, and his ceiling is is lower, I think. Um, and then lastly, St. Maximin, who is a player who's – he's really been the player that we all expected Ivan Tony would be uh, to start the season. He's just really attacking. It doesn't matter who's lining up next to him. He's standing out as being the best player on the field for Newcastle, and he's getting returns week in, week out. So – I think if uh, I had to make the decision today, I'm probably penciling in Tony out for St. Maximin in and Rafinha out for Saar in as my two transfers. Hmm. Yeah, interesting giving these lower table teams a lot of love. And I think that's something that you have to make sure that you don't have blinders up because even though they're on bottom of the table teams, they're still producing an FPL and that's what you want. So a lot of managers will overlook somebody like St. Max, and he's just continuing to trickle on the points. And I think from the games that I've watched from Newcastle, they're giving up two or three goals, but they're also scoring two goals. And somebody's got to get those. And St. Max is looking like a very, um, very much a talisman for that side. So I, I do like that shout. I mean, Bucks, I think you're you're really looking quite strong, though, because you're going to have both Antonio and Trent, who were on your bench last week, come into your side this week. You know, Have you thought about maybe just making one transfer and then rolling to have two transfers yet again and just play from a position of strength since you do have enough squad depth to do so? Yeah, so good point. Uh, I think it really comes down to what happens with Rafinha. I think if he's healthy, then I might just continue to roll out my existing midfield options. Um, another player, I would say there's really three players that I'm looking at to potentially move off. Uh, Rafinha, if he's not right, Tony, because of the bad fixture run, and then Mason Greenwood, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, I've gotten a great amount of returns from him. And uh, again, I think FPL is all about just making the timing decisions at the right moment. And he doesn't have a really tough fixture per se in game week six, but with Ronaldo kind of sucking up all the gravity and all the goals that are in the Man United side, it might just be time to go cheaper in that spot. And that way I can keep Rafinha for the continued run of Leeds good fixtures. Yeah. Again, Leeds have the top ranked uh, fixture run over the next five or six matches from fantasy football hub. So that's somebody who, even if he misses this game, I think he's going to be back in the side. So I mean, honestly, I think Greenwood is, is more of a problem just because they're also, you know, they have aspirations in Champions League this season. Lingard has come in. Sancho needs minutes. You know, he's not playing up top and not getting as many shots, obviously, since he's not a focal point. Uh, not to mention Rashford, you know, is nowhere to be seen yet. But there's just going to be some rotation that Ole comes, um, you know, comes into, you would guess. But, you know, we, we don't really rate Ole too too highly as as a, as a manager in terms of his moves. But I, I just think that Greenwood, we should take his points and potentially run um, and move on from them. Yeah, one just quick thing, and I want to highlight this, Jota and Greenwood are currently the same price. And I think a lot of FPL managers are toying which player is the one to move off of to kind of make room for a player like maybe a Ben Rama or a Saar 
or a Ferran Torres, uh, just to name a few. And I think that Jota, despite the news that Firmino is now back in training, Jota is much more a lock in my team at this point than Greenwood is. Uh, he's going to get yeah, 100% minutes and he gets the chances in the middle of that uh, threesome for uh, Mane, Jota, and Salah. So again, just that's my two cents on, on those two players. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, he's playing center forward for one of the best teams in the Premier League, whereas now, you know, the days of Greenwood playing up top are in the past. So I think that's that's a correct uh, correct thing there that you've called out, Bucks. And just taking a look at your team, you're actually tripled up on Brighton, so you can't get Maupai. So cross him off your list. You'd have to go to your boy Dennis or something like that, um, just taking a look. So, I mean, if I were you, just looking at how deep your squad is, I would make one transfer and roll. Uh, I don't think there's any need to make two transfers since you're playing from a position of strength and coming off of 71 points. So that that would be my uh, my two cents. But let's move it on to me. I have one free transfer. I'm actually going away for the weekend, taking my lovely fiance out for a weekend away um, in the kind of woods of California. So I'm not going to be watching any matches this week unless I have some kind of signal on my phone, and therefore. I, um, you know, it's a little bit of a lackluster uh, time for me to make transfer moves and then just have the unknown of how they did. So I might actually just be rolling here uh, to create two free transfers. There is talk that Marsal might be dropped this next game because he had a putrid performance um, and gave up the pen to Tony. So, you know, I'm looking at three flags on my team right now. Ailing is flagged. Rafinha is flagged. Trent is flagged. I think Trent's going to play, but um, I do have Veltman in my first bench slot. If two players were to get rotated, then I would be screwed. Um, but I, I think I'll be fine. So I'm probably going to roll the transfer. Um, I got some problems across my team. I'm really eyeing Chelsea defense in uh, the couple weeks here. So I want to have Shaw move on. And then just taking a look at Greenwood as well. I mean, if I do make a move this week, it'll be for Saar, just because they have Newcastle and Leeds coming up. And if he runs hot, he's a goal scorer that I would bring into my side. So he's the only player that I have on my watch list that I might make a, a one-week transfer for um, before wildcarding, which I'm I'm 100% now sitting at 365K. I will be wildcarding after game week seven, heading into game week eight. And that is the plan there. And I'm going to be um, going heavy in the back and uh, we'll discuss that in a few weeks. But that's that's my my transfer plans moving forward. All right, Brian, who is your captain selection for game week six at the point in time? Yeah, captaincy is still up in the air for me. I'm between Mo Salah and Antonio, actually. Uh, I'm going to zig off of Ronaldo. I just think that Villa is playing a bit better, and they're seeing their defenders kind of come into into form. And for me, I'm just, I'm really interested in uh, Antonio, to be honest. I mean, he's coming off of a goal in European football and then he was suspended. So I, I think he could come out with a very energetic performance and him and Ben Rama are in my side and I'm counting on them to do really well this upcoming game week. So I'm excited to see what they can do. So those are my two shouts. Still TBD. What about you, Bucks? Yeah, I'm, I'm split between Cristiano Ronaldo, who plays at home, which, as we've discussed, playing in front of your home crowd is a big uh, influence and a, and a big boost uh, this season with fans back in the stand. So he's kind of my 1A right now. And then my 1B is my my boy, 
Miguel, Miguel Antonio uh, away at Leeds who don't have any healthy uh, center backs right now, as we've mentioned. So I think that's a tasty looking fixture. So it's going to be one of the two of them. I haven't yet made the decision. I think I'm leaning towards Ronaldo just because he is such a vulture in front of the goal. And uh, I think the odds are that he's more likely to have two goals um, to Antonio, uh, whereas Antonio might be more likely to have one goal. I don't know. Crazy logic there. But uh, anyway, that's uh, that's so. So, yeah. So, Bucks, you're pretty high on Brentford being able to shut down Mo Salah. Is that what I'm hearing for neither being your vice or your captain this week? I just think at this point in the season, the vice isn't so important. But uh, I just think that the home being in front of your home crowd stands for a lot. And I've been impressed with what I've seen from Brentford. So I don't think that's going to be a drudging. I don't think that's going to be like a 5-0 uh, Liverpool win. It Obviously, it could be. Liverpool have the ability to hang up a big points total on pretty much anyone in the Premier League. But uh, I think Brentford are, are a tough team, and they're going to they're gonna play tough football. And I was impressed with some of the shithousery they put on at Molyneux against Wolves, the way that they really they were wasting <laughs> time left and right. Uh, so that just looks like a team that's well-drilled. They know what they're going to need to do to survive in the Premier League. And, you know, potentially getting one point in a match against a team like Liverpool is kind of the recipe for success to stay up in this league. Yeah, I'm just a bit worried that Brentford has not played any of the teams in the top five, right? They've played Arsenal, Crystal Palace, Villa, Brighton, and Wolves. Like, they haven't played one of these juggernauts who are in competitions for you know, UCL champions, um, Champions League, and also for the Premier League title. So I, I just a little bit wary of, you know, how strong their defense has been since they haven't actually been known for their defense. And then when they actually play a team that is a well-oiled machine. So I, I'm, I'm still very much optimistic on Salah, who is just uh, the number one FPL asset in fantasy Premier League. So that's where I'm at. But yeah, thanks, Buck. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. I mean, you're flying. I'm trying to catch up with you. I'm just kind of toiling away until I wildcard here in a couple of weeks and uh, can hopefully reset my my goals. But honestly, at this point last season, I was in a similar position, um, probably like 500K. So it's a long season. We got 33 more game weeks to go. It's got to start start making up some ground. But again, I, I think the thing is just looking at you, Bucks, you know, you're sitting 300,000 places in front of me. It, it's only 28 points. So that that's a one or two good good weeks that uh, differential captain goes off for a few players. So I think it's very early in the season. Don't panic. Make sound moves. Improve your team. Address your weakest links. And uh, that patience will pay off. Absolutely. Uh, great episode, Brian. Uh, great game week uh, to the FPL Blues podcast mini league. A lot of high scores. And it's been a really competitive season thus far in our mini league. And happy birthday to Brian's fiance, Laura. Everyone, get in the chats, follow us on social media, and make sure to wish his fiance, Laura, a happy 30th birthday. And with that, we're going to sign off. We look forward to clocking in after a big haul and a lot of big green arrows in Game Week 6. Thanks, everyone.